Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi there, and you're very welcome to a special edition of the Nyler 9 podcast. We're going to be talking to two people on this episode who have output and work that responds to the environment around them, the community that holds them, and the landscape that inspires them. It's a tale of two places, of Dublin and Kerry, of artists taking in what's outside of them and breathing it all out in their musical output. We're going to be talking to two people who we know very well here at Nyler 9, one who will represent the city and one who will represent the country. Both artists, Gemma Dunleavy and promoter Emma Condon of Homebeat, are presenting their work as part of the St. Patrick's Festival this month, which will be broadcast virtually and for free to watch on SBF TV, which is available at stpatricksfestival.ie. Homebeat's transition series, which will be broadcast across the week, starting this Friday, March 12th to Tuesday, March 16th, asks five electronic producers to write and perform music in response to the idea of transition, a state in which all artists are currently occupying or feeling probably right now. And those artists who are responding in the transition series include David Kitt, a.k.a. New Jackson, Simon Cullen and Sorka McGrath, both of Ships but performing separately, Garrett Quinn Redmond and Polytunnel. I'll be chatting to Emmett from Homebeat about how he brought some of that musical magic and ideas to South Kerry to represent transition, and that'll be later in the episode. But first, I'm going to chat to Gemma Dunleavy, who will be performing uh, from the Guinness Storehouse alongside Pillow Queens and Adam Muhammad on Patrick's Day at about 6.30. Um, Gemma is an R&B artist who has sung with people like White Collar Boy, Merlo, Swing Thing, and Simon Raymond's Lost Horizons project. But it's her own music, uh, the Up the Flats EP that came out last year, which celebrates the Sheriff Street community in Dublin's North Inner City, where Gemma grew up, that really catapulted Gemma to the next level. We're going to be talking about community, we're going to be talking about transitions. This is all part of the St. Patrick's Festival programme. More on that later. But first, let's talk to Gemma 
And uh, before that, let's listen to Up The Flats, uh, the title track from her recent EP. start with up the flats for me one i think one of the reasons why up the flats hits is because it's about you and it's about reality and it's about what's going on around you and it's about community and i think people really you know chimed with that as well i think you know i didn't have any expectations for that ep at all outside of my own personal kind of i wanted to finish the story i wanted to finish this kind of story i wanted to wanted it to have a beginning and an end and i wanted to you know round off the stories of, and and have it finished in a, in a body of music there was no expectation for it and that you know I actually thought this EP is too personal it won't really resonate with people it'll resonate with people from my area so I was just thinking this is a this is a you know a personal thing that I have to finish I felt a real instinct to do this thing and then I was thinking and then I'll work on my real EP when I'm done with that one I was thinking I'll work on the EP that will get me gigs and stuff after when I'm finished that one you know so I really really didn't have that's how that's how there was no there was no plan around the release of that there was no video until there was a demand for video there was no the reason why I did the tapes was because people were asked and like please give us some type of physical and I didn't have the money to do vinyl so I was like right I can scrape enough of money together to get you know a run of tapes done a hundred tapes and the merch and everything everything kind of worked backwards to the way you would normally plan a release but I suppose that's good because it meant that there was a pull for those things you know from your perspective because I hadn't heard you talk about it before about where you grew up and to really underscore the community around you and why that's so important mm. to you. And I think that's, for me anyway, that's why a lot of people resonated with that song. Like you can really feel that. You can really feel that community mm. there and you can really feel the love. Like it's a love letter to where you're from. Mm. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's why people really resonate. Do you like, 
you kind of felt like maybe that, you know, or maybe people wouldn't get it because it's too, like it's about a local thing, but everyone has a place maybe that they love. But like where you grew up around Share Street, like tell, talk to me a bit about that because, you know, it's obviously stigmatized in lots of ways, but like it's, that song is such a pure, lovely celebration of that, of the place. That's my experience of growing up here and I grew up here. So it's so funny when you see headlines and you hear people's stories most of the time, the people that are given those stories aren't the ones to actually experience it. If you grew up here and you experienced what it was like, that's not your memory of it. You know, the negatives which you have in any inner city community are about 5% of what the, the makeup of the whole thing is. Um, so I grew up with this kind of rich sense of like my feet on the ground and, you know, just like support in whatever you do, you know, and, and no kind of tiered level for... Um, judgment or how great you're doing you're doing good in my community you're doing good if you're a good person if you're sound if you look after people that's like you know if there was if there was a degree to go for you know the way when we look at when we look at like success or intelligence or whatever we look at points in the leaving cert and we look at oh they studied medicine oh my god in my community it was like do they look after people and that's what was really valued you know um and that is something that I realized the more I moved out and stuff. And when I moved away and stuff, you know, I kind of realized that that was kind of rare. Like, you know, um, I was fully supported going to study music. No one ever said to me, that's not, that's not like academic or that's not, no one ever said that. Everyone was like, that's deadly. And all of those, all of those like hundreds of hands of, of, of arms I had to fall into had I, if I needed, you know, that way. Um, and growing up with that and just growing up with, you know, like, you know, people when you're in your 20s, you find out that your cousin is actually not really your cousin and stuff, but it doesn't really matter. Yeah. You know, that's a real dumb thing, though, isn't it? Like when you're like, ah, oh, somebody actually asks you about your family or you're your, like your cousins and you're like, I don't actually think we're related, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you've been also working on a short film as well. And is this mm-hmm. something that's been on hold now because of the last yeah. while? But this is about. Is it based on what you're talking about there, your community and around and growing up around you? Well, this this actually came about like so. So the EP didn't exist. There was no plans for me making music at this time, and there's some aggressive redevelopment. Like the window just behind the screen here, aggressive redevelopment going on. There's plans for a 300 million euro development, which is um, going to be a hotel and built to rent apartments, and um, six or seven hundred built to rent apartments, right? And none of us like you know I I can't afford to live out in my area, and none of us can. Like, my friends I went to school with are on, on the homeless register now in hotels with yeah. their two kids I'm kind of witnessing this and I'm also witnessing our community being washed out again like they did in the 80s and they promised X, Y and Z and they promised community facilities and resources and all this the same thing is happening across the road and there is an awful lot of um, corruption with it you know with things being hidden and things not being said and then not putting the planning permission and then the planning permission goes through and more stuff like it's happening everywhere the only difference here is I'm not everywhere. I don't feel like I belong to everywhere. I belong to here. And I've watched my nanny and me, you know, all my family and the men in my family work down here being dockers. My granddad worked in the Rosary Beach factory in Mitchell's, you know, like all of them I see build this community here because really it was nothing. It was a, it was a wasteland yeah. from the docks and it was neglected by the community, by the authorities. And we were all that I had really to create anything. And we created this strong, 
tight-knit community uh, full of richness and then these developers want to come in and just push us out and because we don't have money or because we're not important in their eyes they think they can get away with that so I was like you know what? I was trying to push against the planning commission I was trying to do everything you know the amount of politicians does a politician that me nanny actually I grew up thinking he was called leave it with me because me nanny used to just call him leave it with me because it's all he said and it wasn't until I started trying to look into this I was like Jesus Christ I know what she meant you know I then was like right I can't stop this going up I might you might see me on the news with a ball and chain tied to that thing when they're trying to knock it down but the only other thing that I can do is I can make a bit of noise so I said I want to make a short documentary style thing that will just capture our sense of community because you think we're not important enough to save. I want to capture that because all we have now from the from the eighties mostly is stories and memories, yeah. and I want to capture that before they're forgotten. So that that was my goal with that. So I worked with Elias Grace, and we 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 put it together. We um well we started recording. We did two days. And we captured so much of that in two days. We still wanted to do a little bit more and it got pushed aside because of the pandemic. But in the meantime, I was in the studio working on stuff and, you know, inevitably that topic kind of trickled into it. And then Dr. Martin reached out to me and was like, look, we'd love to sponsor you to do anything. It can be a live event or it can be a gig mm. or it can be a music video. And sure, I just kind of tried to rinse as much out of that. And I was like, you know what? You know, I I want to, I want these stories to get out there. So I'm going to use your funding to help me record this in the studios. And I ended up using a lot of the sound recordings from that. Yeah. Now the documentary is still going to happen, but that really that EP was never it was never in the it was never in the plans. It was never meant to happen. You know, yeah. it was just out of necessity and out of frustration. I was like, I have a platform here. This is this is something that I'm so frustrated about because no one listens to us. No one listens to us. So this is my chance to just shout from the rooftops, yeah. you know. I want to do this like Yeah, just I've been thinking a lot about community in general because, you know, I mean I'm living in Dublin eight. There's a uh, big uh plans for uh, a high rise to go up here, nineteen story building. And what I'm struck by is that it's people power, but the problem is like you can't we don't have the resources you don't have the money you can't fight these big corporations you can't knock them back and then you see things like katu which are like a tenant it's a tenant union which yeah. is really like people power on a on a organized scale which can really do things on a well first of all on a small scale for for individuals but also you know i'm seeing i'm just thinking a lot about community and how you know the planning of a city is kind of ruptured the ease of which community proliferates, and then you're seeing things like riots happening in the streets and maybe people who are kind of sitting away isolated from we're already isolated anyway in the last year but we're now we're isolated mm. in terms of our own the people around us a lot of us like don't know our neighbors a lot of us don't know you know whether you're in an apartment block whether you're in a house like you don't know we're a bit disconnected from everybody and then you get mm -hmm. people who are just you know spending time you know, on the internet and then delving into conspiracy theories and then everything gets a bit messy. So like really like community is the answer to a lot of problems, I think, in, in the city mm. itself. And then like that also, you know, teases into talking about the Irish nightlife and, and Dublin nightlife and the community around mm. that, because we currently can't experience that and we currently can't have mm. that. So you must be really missing that as well. You're like me. <laughs> yeah. 
I am, but you know what? Like our community again, like there's so much history and richness there that actually, you know, during the lockdown, especially everyone came together. We did a bingo on our road every Saturday through the whole thing. We did the last one in October only because the weather was getting too cold, you know? Um, we, you know, we're all still as close to each other. Do you know that way? So I'm, I'm nearly experiencing it more than pre-pandemic because we didn't have this fast-paced thing where everybody had to be here, there and everywhere. You know, you go on a walk with the dog, you bump into a few of your neighbours, you end up going on a walk, yeah. you end up kind of connecting again and just this nice kind of feeling about it, you know. Um, so I, that's something where it's ironic and it's also kind of sad to think that, you know, when these developers and corporations come in and they wipe us out, it's gone. They'll only see it in hindsight, but when they rid out, when they get rid of all the community, they're going to be left with nothing. You yeah. know what I mean? And then they'll be wanting that community again, you know? Yeah. Um, and you're seeing that parallel as well in terms of like uh, what's happened in, in Irish um, or in Dublin city in terms of the club spaces and, and venues and things like that. Mm-hmm. They're not supported. So therefore they're also, they're not recognized as important. Do you think the, you know, obviously we've lost a lot of venues in the last few years and, and right now everything is in in a stagnant kind of waiting to see uh, suspense mode. Do you think like the proposed legislations around nightlife will, could actually help that? Or what are your feelings on that? Do you think we could actually see some recognition for the kind of spaces that yourself and myself like to hang out in, like to, that are actually hugely important, especially when you don't have them in the last year, you're like, ah, those things are really important for your mental health. They're really important for your community. They're really important for just generally, you know, just to be able to meet and exchange new ideas and different things and just meet different people. Yeah, 100%. I'm getting goosebumps actually even just hearing you talk about that because it's been such a positive to see Robbie Kay and Sunil Sharp and the rest of, you know, everyone who's been fighting for that and yourself who's been pushing, pushing, you know, um, for for the nightlife and, and for it to actually be recognised and to see this, to see the talk of the legislation changing around that. I can see this opening up a whole new thing. If we get if we get longer hours, staggered hours, you know, better licensing, um, I think that we will be or easier licensing. I think that there will be a demand for spaces. We haven't had good club spaces here since you know the, the Twisted Pepper basement. You know, back when it was when it felt like a real club, and like I think that once we get those hours changed. And the legis- with the legislation change, we'll, there's going to be a demand for that again. People are going to see it will be worthwhile for people to create those spaces, to find out those, seek out those spaces, you know. Like, I can't wait to be at another club comfort gig again, you know, with all my friends in a nightclub. It's like, I can't wait to see, like, I've been talking to my uncle Billy Scurry about this all the time. Like, I cannot wait to be at another one of his DJ sets. Just, you know, like... I just it gives me goosebumps thinking about it because I love performing and I love playing these songs, but there is nothing better than that feeling of being cradled in someone else's yeah song choices. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I just cannot wait for it. And I'm very hopeful, especially with the news of that in the last you know, the last week. It's just amazing. Yeah, and it also could have a positive effect on say, you know, think places like community halls and theatres and like gallery spaces and anything that you could use. Mm-hmm. Like if 
obviously we'll have to wait and see how it goes but the idea that we may be able to access uh, places to put on and it could be like you know like a street party or whatever it is it's like those kind of things that we just don't have here because you know and that's again coming back to allowing communities to flourish and to mm-hmm. allowing people to do things that aren't just tied to it. what's not all it has to be alcohol licenses it's about mm-hmm. it's actually about expression and it's about people getting together and just hanging out and that will be something that we will be able to do hopefully mm-hmm. again in the future yeah i'm sure even like i remember talking to you about this before with the underage thing as well you know yeah there's been people here in our city pushing for that. The, the reason why, like, you know, underage um, people, underage, like people under 18 and are, are excluded for so many things is because the sale of alcohol is prioritised. And you're so right. The, the priority should be those communities, yeah. you know. Um, there's so much, you know, there's so much to be given to that from the people here. Like, look at the people that we have fighting for this, like the people that are putting club spaces together and 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 creating them when there's nothing, you know, yeah. when it was so tough to do it. Can you imagine when? Yeah, with so when much red tape, tough? you know, and then you're right about the all ages one, because like, OK, so most venues in before when you'd go to them and you say, I want to put on an afternoon gig for an all ages crowd. And they go, well, it's going to cost you like double the amount of what you would if uh, you were selling alcohol because then we won't make any money. I was like, yeah, but can you not see the long term? Like, I get that. That's a short term. I know you have to pay staff and all that stuff. But at the same time, I'm not asking for you to like reduce, like be for free. I don't mind that. But it's just also has to, the next generation of people should be allowed to go to gigs as well. If just because you're 13 or 14, because our licensing system was so fucked that you were able to tie everything with a venue and, a, and an event to the alcohol it meant that it excluded anyone under 18 and that's why we're doing i mean eventually we, we will be doing that i know I, don't I, do. <laughs> I don't know yet but like you know it's on the cards and yeah. you know it's there and like i think those are really important because the first year we did it i remember we had pillow queens and we had uh god knows and it was just really great to see young people, even young people with their families, young people on their own, being able to go to gigs and be able to a whole gaggle of young gay girls going to see Pillow Queens in the afternoon on Saturday yeah. afternoon and then getting a vinyl to bring home with them, you know, and it was like, ah, I felt like I was doing something really nice, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like, I remember when you played uh, for us at uh, the Future Proof gig and I think Billy brought, oh, yeah. was it your... Mabel, yeah, yeah. yeah, his little yeah, kid, yeah, Mabel. Like he can't, he, he can, he can come in, and that's fine. But like, you know, he, like she can't come in and see you play a gig. I know, and that's why I always, whenever I have sound check on, I would always say to Billy, "Yeah, bring her," and he's brought her, you know, to me sound checks. And even even having to do that, like it's deadly because I know when I was younger, and like there was a few times like Billy brought us to these gigs and stuff, you know, like when he when he was able to, and it felt special getting to go to the early yeah. thing. But they should be able to experience that, you know. Like I was so excited, especially for like I've loads of little kids in my family, you know, and teenagers and whatever. Like I was like, oh, it'd be so great for them to eventually get to come to um to a gig so that's why i was extra excited for the dublin the sound and when it does yeah. happen it's going to be great you know well at least they can tune into the live stream stuff as well you know exactly yeah no and that yeah that is they they probably feel more part of it now than they ever have because <laughs> the live stream they can they can at least access that you know oh, yeah cool yeah that's good that's good um, and what about yourself in the next while i mean obviously plans are just plans at this point and everything is subject to change but mm-hmm. like what are you what are you hoping to to do in the next while 
Yeah. Well, I think I'm in a good position in that, you know, I bursted out with my EP when things were already on, you know, extreme lockdown. So I don't feel like I've had an awful lot taken away from me. It's kind of like babies that have been born during pandemic don't know any different. My kind of music life since the release of my EP doesn't know any different. So for me, I'm kind of just doing the same thing. I'm working on a lot of music at the minute. Um, I don't mind if I have to release it in these times. Yeah. I, you know, I've done it before. It didn't work out so bad for me. I'll do it again. Um, for me, at the minute, my kind of focus and priority is on do, making music in that same way that I did that release that just feels like um, my language dressed in, in the things that I love, which is melody and harmony. So that's what I'm working on at the minute. And the outcome of that will be a release. What kind of release? I don't know. Whether it will be album, EP, mixtape, singles, I don't know. I do have um, I do have some remixes and little things coming out of the project and some more physical stuff off the back of that. But in terms of future stuff, like I have a lot of stuff that, you know, that was supposed to go to London for that's on hold, sessions and different things. Um, but until then, I'm just working on loads of music. Because you've always and been really doing that. It. You've always been working with other people as well. And like, it's nice yeah. to see you focus on your own stuff as well and get that mm. recognition for it because, you know, that's who you represent yourself in the best way you possibly can. And uh, it's been really great to see you like do that. And, and, you know, obviously you've been like, I've known your name since what, I don't know, what, 2013? My Collar Boy. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 from back then. So, mm. like, it's just been really nice to see you do it on your own and, and really get recognition for it. So I hope yeah. I hope whatever comes next is is that's a big part of it as well because it's, I'm sure that experience and is of, of collaborating with people is really, you know, it really informs what you can do with your, yourself. But mm. now it's like, it's really great to see you get out there and do that on your own as well. Yeah, it's great to have the, you know, to have you, I think when you do collaborations and you do any stuff with a band, be it with tour or other people or whatever, you kind of, you're, it's, it, you feel lucky to be able to have made your little silly mistakes in things yeah. that's not your own project, you know, um, and I wouldn't even call them mistakes, they're just you experience things in a way that gives you another layer of knowledge for when you go and do your own thing. So even with this release, there was never a plan for this to be a self-release. I was going to release it on a record label. They were like, oh, we can't do it until the end of the year because we have stuff lined up by then. And I was like, ah, I just want to put this out, you know, and it all just kind of fell into place. And, you know, and I think as well, having those connections, like, you know, with the likes of Swing Ting and, and Morlo and, having done the release with mix pack and everything you do like you're you're you broaden your circles you know and it's kind of come full circle now because now i'm dipping into them for remixes yeah. and for stuff like that i'll always be a part of that i love doing that i love being able to jump on someone else's into someone else's musical world and become a character that that particular musical scene needs you know but for me on music i tend to dig a little bit deeper into myself it has to be something that i would speak if it's not if it's not something that I would speak, it can't really be on me record, you know.
shouting up the flats from the rooftop. We'll be shouting up the flats from the rooftop. Thanks to the absolute legend that is Gemma Dunleavy for that chat. You can catch her at the Guinness Storehouse live alongside Pillow Queens and Adam Muhammad presented by Tara Stewart on Paddy's Day at 6.30 and also see stpatricksfestival.ie for exact times. I think it might be on a couple of times then. So we're going to move out of the city now, out of the inner city and into the wilds of Kerry. When the lockdowns began and the gig stopped last March, promoter Emmett Condon of Homebeat and his family picked up sticks and went to live in South Kerry, specifically on the side of a mountain. And it was there he got the idea for Transitions, a series of 30-minute vignettes from five Irish electronic producers, each of whom provide a short accompanying written response in terms of in musical terms to the idea of transition. The five performances that make up Transitions were filmed in two opposite spectrums of the island, but linked by their proximity to two separate but continuous coastlines, that is um, Dublin and Kerry, and uh, one was shot, some of the performances were shot at the Space Between in Dublin too, and uh, the others were shot in a new contemporary cafe space in South Kerry called Driftwood Cafe, which looks directly out across St Finian's Bay at the Skellix. So Emma and I had a chat about the St. Patrick's Festival project and the last year of no homebeat gigs and how that's been. And to lead us into our chat is a piece of music from one of the musicians involved, Simon Cullen, from his appropriately titled album, Holding Patterns. We've all been fairly quiet for the last few months, but, you know, Patrick's Festival activity enables us to kind of get together and do some some bits and do some things around that. So you have a transition series, which is it involves um, five different electronic producers uh, all responding to the idea of transition. And like, first of all, you've had your own transition here you've you've moved from Dublin to Kerry and you're you're there and you yeah know, that's a that's a huge difference. Do you feel like people have kind of adapted to not going to things now or not like experiencing those things? I suppose like one of the main things about this year is that it's very hard to get a gauge on the wider sense of things because you're so kept to yourself and especially when you live at the side of a mountain in the in the furthest tip of southwest Kerry um, that you can possibly be if you're not going to go off land. Um, it's hard to gauge the wider things. So I suppose in terms of both the wider sense and in terms of this little um, project transition, I suppose the main thing to say is that it's it's very personal in that I suppose I've imposed uh, the concept of transition on the project because when Karen from St. Patrick's came to me, I guess the first thing that I had to think about was mm, where am I going to do this? Like, am I going to, am I going to go up to Dublin? We've got like a little girl here. So, you know, it's practically, it's quite a big thing to kind of take off for a few days at the moment and leave my partner Claire with her on her own <laughs> halfway up a mountain <laughs> in Kerry. So I suppose um, that was the first kind of, wall I met with, with the project and I, I I decided that I instead of totally going to the mountain I would bring at least part of the mountain to me so that's where the first half of the idea came and also we had 
we had encountered a really amazing kind of space down here, a new cafe that's open um, in called Driftwood near St. Finian's Bay, which if, if anyone knows this part of the world is kind of the most direct viewpoint out to the Skelligs in the middle of absolutely nowhere really um, and a really beautiful contemporary space. So that was, that was I suppose, the two sparks that lit the, the flame of the whole thing um, initially. Right. Um, is that St. Finian's Bay, is that near, so there's like a chocolate factory around that way? Is it yeah, there? yeah, it's exactly, yeah, it's it's, it's mad. Like there's um, a, a valley that just so happens to have <laughs> a chocolate factory and now this beautiful yeah. kind of contemporary cafe. <laughs> and there's a beautiful beach there that looks over Skellig's as well, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's literally looking out over that, yeah. Yeah, yeah so uh, a really inspiring place to, to, to be. That was the first half of the idea and the other half was shot in Dublin then as well, uh, the space between which uh, you guys have, you've, you've done some events there before, right? Uh, yeah, well, I suppose uh, Dave, um, who runs the space between, was involved, in, well, was a key member of Mabos and I was, I suppose, involved in that over time. Um, so we've always stayed in touch um, and we've always kind of kept knocking things back and forth. And actually, I suppose, to take a step back, the, the real story of the moment and this project is that our last sh- live show was in the Sugar Club on the 28th of February, a week ago, uh, this time last year. And the next thing we were due to do uh, in the preceding weeks was Listen and Breathe, which is a project that me and Simon Cullen have kind of put together over the last couple of years with St. Patrick's Festival. And that was due to be based in the space between. So I suppose that was the other thing that was in my head. And the second that Karen got in touch about doing this, that was the obvious pickup point to try and pick up the thread of that from last year, but I guess without completely uh, replicating the project. So, so yeah, basically I've kind of imposed the idea of, of transition on a, I suppose, a little bit of a kernel of an idea from uh, listening breeds from last year and then kind of added to it. So Simon and Sorka are involved this time again. Um, they both play, as does Polytunnel, Gareth Quinn-Wedmond, and then New Jackson. And Dave Kidd is actually also living down here in South yeah. Kerry at the moment. So that that was a nice... Yeah, uh, so he gets, he gets a, a local gig. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There aren't too many contemporary kind of electronic sets to be offered at the moment in South Kerry, um, or perhaps perhaps ever. It might be the first one. Um, <laughs> well, no, definitely not. There's been plenty of shindigs down here, I'm absolutely sure. Absolutely, but, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how do you think, I mean, without like speaking for the artists, what were you hoping to get out and what do you think you got out of it and what can we expect um, from Transitions? I suppose my interest is always kind of combining the mood of the space with the mood of the the performance or the music, or at least providing a space that is kind of a really nice canvas for someone to do their thing. So I, I, I guess the main thread of it for me was the sense of bilocation and the sense of transition as a kind of, I suppose, a broad theme for people. But within that, then just to present them in, in the two opposite ends of the islands and to kind of, I suppose, to some way link the fact that like, even though Dublin and Kerry are in many ways, you know, miles and miles apart and not just in terms of distance, but like there is a link, they're both our seaside places and you forget that, especially in Dublin. Um, like one of the weird things about being here is that we've noticed that there's a lot more seagulls in Dublin than there are where we live in Kerry, which is a weird fact, but it's true. And it's obviously because there's a lot more food for them there and stuff like that. Yeah. But we live, we like, we live like a stone's throw from the sea here and we, we don't see a seagull from one end of the year to the next. <laughs> and, yeah living in the middle of Dublin 8 we were surrounded by them all the time of course 
yeah, yeah. So, there's probably one out there right now i can i'm yeah, donate yeah. now i can see a few yeah yeah up on the so roof this, the surprise for the project is that we've um we've uh we've attached a gopro to a seagull and we're going to try and get him <laughs> to go from Kerry to <laughs> no we haven't uh, no seagulls were harmed in the making of transition no no they just got to hear some nice tunes <laughs> yeah but no no honestly really like i suppose um uh, it, it, it did come together and I wouldn't say last minute by any means, but it was, we, it was relatively short the time that we had to kind of put something together. And I guess, um, I would put my hand up and say, I've kind of imposed my own situation on the project as opposed to it being artist led completely. But I think everyone, I mean, it's fair to say everyone involved has faced the idea transition this year. Um, and as obviously anyone who's listening will have to, um, so I think it's an apt, theme at least to, to base things around um and i suppose um quite a few of the performances like simon and sorka and gareth quinn redmond were making particularly i suppose ambient and very space filled and kind of thought-led electronic music and then at either end of the spectrum of that you have kind of polytunnel and dave's new jackson which is a bit more traditional i suppose electronica but again with homebeat i suppose you know we've always delved into kind of areas of electronica as it's followed my own path of interest in it but it's never exactly like a full club brand of any sort it's not really based around 4-4 music in any sense it's always yeah. live music with a, with a particularly emotion towards kind of the ambient side and stuff and i yeah. mean simon's holding pattern project which is what he did here is you know a really great example of that it's really yeah and that was a, a project that was conceived on an island uh, in off the coast of Mayo and Turk as well, mostly, and uh, using uh, sounds of the area. Um, for yourself then, do you think, like, it's obviously none of us really expected to be doing this for so long. And has your own relationship with music changed in the last year in terms of just what you're listening to and what you're uh, seeking? Yeah, massively. I would say, actually, I had pretty much almost entirely stopped listening to music as a fan really in the run-up to let's say to the point of where we this time last year i think you know homebeat's like a small personal project that, or a project that grew into a small business and as as more or less a one-man or a kind of a, a two-man show from time to time i suppose it, looking back it required quite a lot of hustle <laughs> um, and I, I think i was chatting to someone about this the other day and I, I think we did upwards of 30 to 40 gigs a year for the last couple of years which is you know not a massive amount but when it's just one person or two people doing all the promo and all the bits and pieces for it even if the gigs are small let's say as um as we would have done with the um future proof series you know it still mm -hmm. takes up a bit of time i'm not a sob story by any means i dug my own hole and i happily swim in it and um, yeah. but i I guess in terms of the relationship with music, I definitely had become pretty transactional in my experience of music. And considering it was the love of music that led me into the project, first and foremost, above anything, there was no idea of business at the start of it. It was just purely for the love of music. But was, yeah, I had stopped really listening to music as a fan, but having a bit more space in the last year. And weirdly, the, the kind of um, the online Twitch sessions and stuff like that, which kind of gave you a bit more space to mess around a bit and then eventually leading into the little radio show that i started with with gdr in the last few months it's been really lovely to have a vehicle to kind of explore a wider range of music that i had probably stopped doing because i was listening to things just with the mm -hmm. idea of lineups or programs in mind so yeah yeah it's been an interesting yeah, that's something I've been hearing more of from, from artists as well as like some people have really appreciated the break to slow down and just um, uh, take stock or whatever it is in whatever way, but just like the break from 
okay we have to go tour we have to go do gigs we have to make uh, music like it's hard it's it's an easier decision to make when there's you're not missing out on anything and everyone's in the same boat what are you what are your thoughts on like when things come back do you feel like is would you bring a different energy to that or how is that going to work for you do you even know right now because there's so much uncertainty in the air around gigs and when we'll be able to do it and all that kind of stuff I suppose i have thought about it a lot and equally tried not to think about it too much <laughs> because i think uh you know after the initial burst of kind of planning and replanning and scrapping plans and scrapping more plans and realization and disappointment and more realization and then more disappointment and then further realization last kind of between this period last year and into let's say like late summer mm-hmm. um uh, i suppose you kind of realize that the energy you spend on that kind of process of trying to hope for the best and then it not working out um is can be quite tough to kind of sustain so I, I definitely feel like in the middle or the later part of last year I definitely stepped back a little bit and kind of decided that I'm gonna go with the flow here a bit I think when it comes back I mean before Christmas I think we felt like we would be back this summer in in like close to some sort of normal if you want to say uh, kind of pattern but obviously new variants and all that kind of things now it's it's very uncertain again and it's I guess it's, it is disappointing to be back in that loop of not yeah. really being able to move forward. That's a very difficult thing to, dif- to deal with. But um, I do think when it comes back, I think it's going to come back extra strong. Like I, I think, um, I, I, I do believe that for a certain portion of us, even though we are really willing the thing to come back, I think it will feel strange at the start for people who, for some people, I think like, I, I don't see it just being like a switch is flicked and we all just charge back into an iClub together and everything's fine. I think there'll be a, an adjustment maybe for like younger generations, perhaps the people in their twenties, rightfully so will get back to partying with a absolute mission uh, as I would, I think if I was back at that stage, but probably um, with a little bit more, uh, maybe uh concern learned concern through age uh, it might take a little bit longer but I, I do think the thing will come back strong but i think especially for someone independent and small like myself um, and homebeat and i guess another love story we just have to tread really carefully one in an energy sense because i think you can absolutely wreck your head yeah. trying to plan for the best and just being disappointed after this again and again. And that's really hard to take. But I think also in a business sense, we don't have a war chest of money behind us or, you know, yeah. resources to kind of get over another serious, serious setback. So we have to thread very carefully from here. Um, so yeah, it's tricky. Did you have many gigs to move uh, in March last year? I had two and even that was enough. And I have now moved one of them. I mean, I think I've had five different dates for one of them. And one of them was supposed to happen on the 19th of March last year. And it was moved five times since, because that's where we're at. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, it could get moved to six times. You just don't know. But <laughs> I think, yeah, that's it. I think I, it's actually hard. It's hard to remember now at this stage, but uh, I think we had like, um, least plans of stuff well into let's say summer and obviously another love story was like we were literally maybe like a week away from announcing the full lineup and actually we had had like the most successful year of kind of early sales like we were kind of really well on our way to selling out like much much ahead of time than previous years and so I had the lineup like literally I, I had to I had an arguments with people because I just wanted to put it out to kind of show the work that I put right. into it. Yeah, of course. You know, yeah. You, you, like this is the, the lineup for another love story is my baby each year that I spend, you know, maybe six months or 
at least four months kind of crafting together and trying to fit all the pieces in. Um, and that's my, that's my little reward when I get to put it out that day and feel happy about it. Um, so you, you never got that. Yeah, of course. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's like, it, that was not just linked to like, you know, ticket sales. It was also linked to like, you know, the fear of maybe like, you know, putting the wrong message out or encouraging people in the wrong way. So it was a really nuanced thing to not have to do in the end. Um, mm. But, but yeah, so, I mean, it's, um, we're not in any different position right now, unfortunately, which is the disappointing bit. Yeah, I guess that's the main thing. But look, at least you have some, you know, transitions is something that you can work on. That is, you can show the world that you can spend time on that. Uh, is it, going to exist beyond that or is it going to be like like the title transitory is it going to be uh, very much like ephemeral according to the blurb uh, yes and who knows beyond that um <laughs> yeah. yeah no look i think um I've, I've always been interested in i suppose like i'm from west limerick originally i've lived a lot of my adult life in dublin i've always been interested in the idea of culture in i suppose not only the West, but in rural Ireland and um, I suppose the lack of representation or the lack of true kind of meaningful artistic appreciation for things that happen outside of Dublin. So the great thing about something like St. Patrick's Festival is when you have an organization that supports you, which Karen in particular and the festival have been like massive supporters of all that Homebeat does over the last couple of years. It gives you confidence to move forward with a project when you, and you're not taking the same risks that you would do just on your own bat. So it opens doors undoubtedly and it creates a platform to to create something different the other thing to say is that actually homebeat bizarrely turns 10 this year so while we might not get to do a slew of live gigs like we would have done normally definitely i'm kind of looking at like small projects like this that will link together some thread of niceness and i guess yeah. uh, and a way to work with i guess people who we've worked with over the years who would be i suppose close pals and collaborators to try and make a mark for it but in terms of the project for for this year for, yeah i think it's got legs and I, I also really like the idea that you know there's some really beautiful spaces outside the m50 that maybe aren't shown to the world just yet and that's a really interesting thing for me always Thanks to Emmett and Gemma for taking the time to talk to me on this podcast. There's a lot of excellent music and culture streaming across the week on SBF TV from Friday, March 12th to Patrick's Day, March 17th. That is St. Patrick's Festival.ie. For more on events featuring the likes of Green Chatton of Fontaine's DC, Lisa O'Neill, Colin McAnumara, Yee Vagabonds, Cormac Begley, Gruff Riss. Anna Mika, Lisa Hannigan, Matthew Nolan, Sean McElhane, Stephen James Smith, Keela, Moxie and Varro and many, many more. See stpatricksfestival.ie for all the info. Myself and Andrea will be back later this week uh, with another podcast. Um, until then, best of luck, look after yourself, mind your head and uh, see you soon.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.